Are you struggling in your faith? Are you pretending you're happy but stuck in a spiritual rut? Are you tired of listening to famous pastors and preachers who make it sound so easy? Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Protestant and Catholic voice in America. I talk about the important things that nobody else is talking about, like how to align with God's plan for your life, because I believe this is where 90% of Christians get stuck. And I tackle the negative self-talk that we all secretly struggle with, but won't admit. My guests are brave Protestants and Catholics who share their struggles, their fears, and their daily holy habits that help them win in their spiritual lives. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist and a spiritual coach to Christian business owners and CEOs who are married with children. This show was created for you, the broken Catholic, who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my featured guest is Father Justin Paskert. You can find him at Catholic. Uh, USF.org, CatholicUSF.org. He is the director of the Catholic Student Center at USF uh, here in Florida. So he works with all the college students and not just the college students, but specifically the Christian Catholic students. And he's going to, I wanted to invite him on because uh, he was at my church. And uh, during the sermon, he shared a story about how he came to the campus and uh, there was nothing really going on on campus with the, the students as far as, you know, God and Catholicism and Christianity. And he had to kind of go out there as a ministry, really, um, or mission field and uh, plant a, a sign in the yard, et cetera. And I'm not going to go into the story. He's going to share that story with us today. But uh, for all of you listening out there that feel God is calling you into the mission field, He's calling you to bring souls back to him. I know I've received that call. Well, listen to this show right now, because I think you're going to be inspired by Father Justin the same way that myself and my wife sitting in the pew of that church on a Sunday morning were inspired by the work he's doing with our young people. So Father Justin, welcome to Broken Catholic. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Sure, no problem. Thank you for having me, Joseph. Uh, really appreciate it. You know, and it, it's certainly uh, a, a journey that I've discovered after my time being here of the importance of this ministry and a lot of learning uh, things that I've picked up along the ways. And, uh, you know, and certainly in my, my own journey of the priesthood, uh, that the Lord leading me into the priesthood, I, I never thought this would be what I was doing. So this is where the bishop sent me and then trying to figure out okay, well, now what? And so to clarify, what I'm hearing you say is that you never thought that God's plan for you was to plant you in some of the most hostile war zones in America, the college campuses. Is that so, correct? So when I graduated high school, I said a little prayer, hoping I would never have to sit foot in a classroom ever again. <laughs> and uh, that failed miserably, yeah. Yep. There's uh, our plan and then God smiling. Yeah. That's okay. So go ahead and start us out. Share something personal about you that very few people in your business life 
Well, your clergy life, actually, no. Hmm. Uh, I would say one of the, the things I hold very close to my heart is uh, the role of uh, Terry Shivo. And mm. so she was in the hospice over in Clearwater, if yeah. you remember all those court battles. It, it's always a little humbling for me over here is that uh, our college students would have been like barely born when all that was going on. So it becomes more and more distant. So I have to ex explain who she is and her importance. But uh, uh, so a little, little fact on that is kind of praying through that in questions about faith and what's important uh, started coming up when that was happening led to me entering the seminary. Mm. Uh, but a little fact that was kind of lost over was that I don't share much is that when I would go to Tampa Catholic, Terry Shevo's brother used to teach there, mm. although I never met him. Uh, but I would kind of share a little bit of my story and her impact on my life. Well, that got to the family and they came to my ordination. So I got to meet uh, them and Terry Shavo's mom uh, immediately after I was ordained. So it's like the beginning of the reception. And uh, it was even just like in the huge crowd of people, you know, back when we had crowds of people at things, um, being able to find her is just like a, a very graced moment and uh, very meaningful for me. Uh, mm. Getting to, uh, to meet her just after I was ordained a priest. What a awesome little gift from God, huh? Amen. You didn't even know you wanted it. I nobody told me that was going to happen. Nobody like uh, even hinted at it. It just was a a, a gift given, uh, totally unexpected. That's so cool. All right, so take us back in time before I ask you to share the story you shared at Sunday service. Uh, take us back in in time and. Uh, kind of paint us a, a quick picture. Just tell us your story of the, the home you were raised in. Was there faith? Uh, was there a denomination, et cetera? Uh, the early teenage years into college and then uh, into the priesthood. Sure. Kind of paint us a picture. Okay. Uh, so when uh, I was growing up, grew up in Ruskin, which is South Hillsborough County, uh, parish there is St. Anne. And so I was involved there, altar server. You know, I always considered myself Catholic. Um, and that I was fortunate to have like my, my parents, uh, kind of faithful Catholics, and then my grandparents were also very good examples. Kind of extended family, that's where it kind of starts getting a little iffy. But, um, you know, those very pivotal people in my life is like the importance of being Catholic was, uh, you know, central to our identity as our family. Um, but certainly, you know, as a kid, didn't know what that meant other than this is important and we, we always took it serious and, and stuff like that. Uh, but as I got a little bit older, uh, I, looking back, realized there was a kind of a disconnect from what I wanted to do, how I wanted to live my life and my faith. And that these were, you know, it's like checking the box on Sunday versus uh, things that are actually stirring in my heart. Um, and that I didn't think was an issue until it became an issue. And so that was, I would say, the, the work of trying to integrate my faith uh, and the, my own thoughts, the things stirring in my heart, uh, and what all of that means. Uh, and so... Where was the, uh, the conflict or where was the friction happening between those two different worlds? If I could put my finger on it, it would be uh, what I want and what God wants. 
Got it. Was there something specific that you could give as an example between you wanted this X and God wanted Y? Uh, no, I would say just in general, I would not have the conversation where I asked him what he wanted. It would just ah. be me and what I want. And this is what I'm working on. So this is life. And then, oh, by the way, to be a good person, you know, I'm going to mass and stuff like that. Yeah. Got it. And so I would say fundamentally, that was the, the disconnect. Uh, certainly it came to a head when the conversation about seminary came up. It was like, no, no, part of my plan, what I want is marriage uh, and a family. You know, it's like, uh, and I don't want to do public speaking all the time. Um, like the priesthood is pretty much opposite of everything I thought I wanted. Uh, and so like, that was definitely a conversation we had uh, prior to the seminary. Who encouraged that in your family? Or was that just something that God brought in without encouragement from others? The seminary? Seminary, correct. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say anybody really encouraged it. Uh, there was my pastor of my home parish, uh, Father John McAvoy, he's still there. And he uh, got me confused with one of my brothers, who everybody thought was going to be a priest. <laughs> and uh, in his confusion, he asked me if I ever thought about being a priest. And it was really at a grace moment of like, you no, know, I needed to hear that uh, thing to be brought into what was going on in me at the time. And, uh, but yeah, he totally couldn't tell us apart. So, how interesting that you needed to hear that inquiry. Yeah. And he brought it to you on accident, which you look back in retrospect, you see as God's divine plan. Right. Wow. Yep. Holy Spirit at work. So cool. All right. So you enter seminary. Um, was there resistance? Was there a resistance in the force as far as like uh, leaving that worldly life and dreams behind of marriage and family? Yeah. Uh, I would say there was at that time, a lot of grace that showed up in my life. Um, so after high school, I started, I got a scholarship, started studying engineering and realized I didn't want to do that because every engineer is uh, miserable looking, uh, overweight and bald. And uh, it's like, there's nothing attractive about this. And then, uh, then our, we had a family business uh, doing plumbing contracting. I was involved there. But then I was also working with the uh, Hillsborough County Fire Rescue. I was a firefighter, EMT, driver engineer. And so these were kind of things I was, I was doing. So there was a lot of, okay, leaving the family business, leaving the fire department, uh, starting a, a whole new direction in education. And I was 24 at the time. And uh, so everything I had studied was, you know, math and science. And then, hey, you're going to study philosophy now, uh, stuff like that. And so it was a whole different shift in getting back into academics and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but through it all, there was a very uh, supernatural, profound peace through it all uh, that I knew this was the right thing. This is where the Lord was calling me and then that I had to say yes to it. Uh, that there was kind of the, the messiness of like, you know, I had to have conversations with, you know, all my friends and the fire chief and, and a lot of them not being Catholic, you know, uh, didn't understand the priesthood and seminary. And, uh, and I'd have to admit, I didn't understand it very much at the time either. And so, you know, it's like, oh, okay, well, that doesn't make any sense. But if that's what you want to do, you know, we're supportive of you. And, 
you know, and then like, well, what does that mean for um, how much I get to see my family and stuff like that? That was all kind of a learning curve through that. But, uh, mm. but there was underlining it all just this profound sense of peace. So I think you've clearly articulated what was going on in your outside environment during this uh, time of calling into seminary and, and vocation. What was God doing or speaking, saying to you on the interior life that really confirmed for you, this is his path for your yeah. life? So seminary starts uh, in August, like any academic year. And so when I got to seminary, uh, there was so many things that were just like a confirmation over and over again. It was like, nope, this is right. This is right. This is right. Uh, it was like a daily thing that was happening uh, in my prayer. Uh, and so uh, actually first day of seminary was August 4th, which is the feast of St. John Vianney. And the college seminary is called St. John Vianney, you know, and so that you know, the seminary wants to start on that date, uh, but just like how much, uh, like I knew nothing about him, but just everything about the orientation to seminary and uh, kind of speaking about the, the thoughts, the fears, the, you know, the getting settled, the what we're trying to do, uh, getting the lay of the land, all of, all of that just kind of spoke so profoundly to uh, what I was going through uh, then. It was just, so it just, the Lord just confirming like, nope, this is, this is, the direction I want you to go in. And so it just kind of reinforced that, that just profound piece of like, okay, I, I have no idea where I'm going, but this is where I'm supposed to be. I think that's something, something that you're bringing up right now that's very overlooked in our spiritual life is a sense of profound peace in spite of uh, circumstances is a confirmation from God that we most likely are aligned with his plan. Would you agree or disagree with that? I, I would agree. Um, and that there's not necessarily uh, dependent on confirmations, but when a confirmation shows up and we, we can recognize it as such, that we can trust it. Uh, I would absolutely say that's the case. But the inverse I would not say is true. It's like for lack of confirmation, that doesn't mean we're on the wrong path. Good point. Good distinction there. I like the pushback, Father. All right. So uh, bring us to you go into seminary. You uh, are trained on how to harvest souls and, and, and uh, bring them to God. And now you are ordained a priest in the, the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, and then you are put, well, fast forward, you're put into the mission field of a college campus. What was going on in your head day one when you walked onto that campus? What were the thoughts? What was the inner self-talk? So, so we have uh, a little 10 acre piece of property here that has a, a chapel on it and uh, it's across the street from the campus. Um, and so when I got here, like, okay, this is, the place, you know, here's the house I'm living in. Here's the little chapel that I'm going to be taking care of. Uh, walking up, my first impression was, uh, this place is a dump. Uh, and it was run down, looked very much uncared for and empty. Uh, and so it was just like, okay, this is super discouraging. You know, as, as much as like, I, I would love to have like good, profound 
intellectual conversations and uh, engage people and help them go deeper in their faith in this time in their life. But uh, it was just the amount of there's nothing here and this has not been cared for for quite some time was my first impression. Do you think that was a representation of the souls on campus? Maybe God was showing you. Um, there's, there's always a, a life in the, the youth. Uh, and so it's not the, uh, you know, been doing this forever kind of apathy. I would say that's a little more what this place felt like. It's just mm -hmm. like, okay, well, this is just, we've been here forever. This is kind of what we do and just running through the motions. And uh, there's certainly no sense of uh, mission or urgency or uh, joy, you know, mm. Uh, and so uh, there, there is, I would say the students on campus spiritually feel lost. Like they have no idea what direction's up. They're turned around all the time. Uh, and in trying to navigate through all of that stuff, they're doing the best they can, but they're, they're very much alive. Whereas this place felt dead. Mm, got and so it. That, that was the, the disconnect. And so if, if it was students here involved and were dead that way, it's like, Something bad very happened to them. <laughs> Got it. All right. So what did you do with that? Uh, this is the segue into the whole story and you could just move at your pace and I'll stay quiet. Okay. Um, well, the first thing I did is they had some like overgrown bushes in the front of the building. So there's a, a golden rule they teach you in seminary, uh, which most priests more or less try to obey is when you get to a new place, uh, only change your underwear for the first year. Uh, as in, you know, there's a community there, you're inheriting it, people do things a certain way for a reason, and you're just some new kid on the block. They don't trust you yet, like to lead in a new direction. So don't move a potted plant, don't change anything. Uh, but when I got here, it's like being empty and dead. Uh, it's, like, it's like, I can't, like how many uh, students are going to graduate in a year. I can't wait a year. And so my, my test to see what would happen was there was some overgrown bushes in the front of the chapel, which prevented you from even seeing the building. And so I ripped them out and put some sod there. So it just like simplified, cleaned up the, the building and stopped hiding the building behind a bunch of overgrown bushes. And then the first weekend comes and, you know, the people come to mass and uh, just waiting after mass, greeting people. And not one person noticed. And I was like, at that point, I was like, okay, um, we're going to hit the ground running here. Uh, if, like, I started messing with, you know, the place where you go to pray, you know, it's like, it's very sacred to people. Uh, and then I pointed it out to people and they're like, oh yeah, that looks better. I was like, okay, that's all the permission and trust I need. Uh, I'm going to move forward. And then uh, when I started engaging uh, some of the students, like there's a handful of students that were the leadership and they get elected at the end of the year. Uh, and I, they are finally coming back for the fall semester, getting to meet them. Um, it was just like, started proposed like an idea. It's like, hey, what if we did something like this? like they said okay to it um, and it's like okay well we need something I can invite students to uh, and if we start working on this this will be something they can come to and then we're going to start going over and just engaging people on campus 
Uh, and so that was the dynamic is like, if this is our house, we need it nice enough to not be embarrassed to invite somebody to. And then um, now, now we got to go find people. Uh, and the, the mantra that I heard for probably the first two years is, I never knew this place was here. Uh, and it was just heartbreaking. Like there's people who want to practice their faith, uh, want to spend time with God. And like, we were just a well-kept secret uh, so that you could spend years on this campus and not even know this ministry was here for them. I was like, okay, that's, that's got to end. Uh, good friend of mine, Father Carlos Rojas, uh, USF graduate, four years, got involved with the fraternities and uh, went to mass all through college, uh, discerned the priesthood after college, entered the seminary, uh, then found out that this place existed the whole time. Like this is an active person in their faith, discerning, like giving their life to God. And this place is right next door. I never knew it. You know, it's just kind of so symptomatic. Uh, and so a little bit of like, okay, well, how do I connect? Because as a priest, I look like a space alien walking around campus. Uh, and everybody has perfected the art of their ear pods in and looking down and not making eye contact. And it's just like, how do you even like, just like to make eye contact and say hello to somebody. It's like, it's almost impossible. Uh, and that there would be people on campus, uh, like student groups or people from outside. And you kind of see their tactics of, they'd get up and um, like get a flyer and like stand in front of somebody and or start yelling, carrying signs, you know, it's just like very aggressive as their tactic for breaking through the little bubble, which is also why, uh, as I was perceiving it, they were making their bubble is because they know it's a hostile place and they're trying to protect themselves from it. It's like, well, I don't want just merely uh, to cause an earthquake. Like I'm trying to reach the hearts of people uh, and so it's got to be something gentle and inviting uh, and quickly discovering, like, if you come on too strong, uh, a college student, you know, it's like the 18, 19 year old away from home for the first time uh, will, will go the other way so that they'll uh, uh, withdraw very quickly. Uh, and so in that, I said, okay, well, two things we're about is the Eucharist and uh, the sacrament of reconciliation. Like I'm not, I'm not doing faith formation programs. Uh, they're not necessarily getting married in college. You know, maybe just after college. But uh, like these are the the staples of practicing their faith. And it's like so we need mass to be something worth coming to. They need to know where the chapel is, and then uh, and if they get the courage to show up, uh, they need to be welcome and be able to like claim that space as their own while they're in college. But then it's like, well, what if I go on campus? And I thought it was like, nobody's coming over here seeking me out to go to confession. What if I just make myself available there? And it doesn't need to be confession, but just like, you want to talk questions? You want to yell at me? Like just making myself available and just being a physical sign of uh, the presence of the Catholic church here. And so I spent almost a semester like scouting campus, uh, trying to find where I'm going to do this. And I finally found a spot 
It was next to a fountain right in the middle of campus. Very highly visible, but uh, you're still awake enough that you can have a conversation in private. Fountains, nice white noise. And so like somebody who's brave enough to like sit on a bench with a priest in the middle of everybody, you know, and talk is like, that's going to get noticed. But then like how not to be just like some creepy guy on campus. It's like, I need something that explains my presence. And uh, they have lots of like these A-frame signs you put. I was like, but I got to walk there. I don't want to carry this whole thing. Uh, but they have like the, you know, the now open or like you see them next to gas stations and stuff. So it was a banner on a pole and uh, it's like, okay, have that made. And I can just stake it in the ground and I can sling it over my shoulder when I need to walk back. And so I had one of those made and it's a, a big obnoxious purple banner. And uh, it's like, okay, that'll be there. I'll bring a book and sit out there and we'll see what happens. And what did the banner say? Uh, prayer confession. And then it had our name on it. Yeah. And then a uh, handful of students that, you know, advertising it at mass and the, the students, the handful of students that were involved, let them know I'm out there. So it's like, hey, middle of the week, you're walking by, come by, say hi. You know, if people see, like, they're not going to die if they talk to me. That can encourage other people. So it's trying to uh, talk them into that. Uh, but they're reluctant because, again, you got literally thousands of people walking by, and you're just there in front of everybody. Uh, and so it, it took a little while for even them to get the courage up to, to do that. Uh, and then um, I found, like, uh, I, I've never been out there and not talked to anybody. Uh, and, and I would do it like twice a week. Uh, and so as, as much as like, well, okay, there's the, you get into a pattern of the regulars who know you're out there, want to talk or go to confession and have a few minutes in between classes um, and can't get over to our chapel. Well, that works pretty well for them. And then there would be um, literally, this guy came over, sat down and said, I see you out here all the time. Uh, what are you doing? And I was like, this is fantastic. You know, it's like he's walking by because he goes on that route to his between classes and, and saw me out there. And one day had the courage to skateboard up, sit down and start a conversation. And we just started talking about faith and stuff like that. And he came to mass. Uh, and currently he got involved with the, um, the Episcopal center. Uh, and, been really getting uh, connected there. And so went from somebody not practicing anything to getting plugged into the, uh, uh, the ministries here at USF. And um, I had uh, a couple professors because part of our ministry is primarily to the students, but it's also the staff and faculty. It's like, you work here. It's like, we want to uh, help them as well. And uh, so sometimes uh, professors, uh, come by, want to talk afterwards, you know, or something like that. Uh, they have questions because they, like our Catholic faculty here, certainly feel the tension of being at a state university. And like, well, how do I answer these questions the students are asking the way that I want to uh, with also trying to be uh, this kind of idea of secular at the same time uh, and trying to navigate through those questions and 
and so uh, stuff like that comes up. Had uh, another, uh, it was actually uh, another uh, person who works at the university came by and who started the conversation as, uh, do you want to fight? You know, And uh, I was like, no, I, I'm just here to talk, you know? And so he's like standing over me, talking to me how I'm the antichrist. And I was just like, would you like to have a seat, you know? And, uh, you know, I kind of went through a spiel of um, the presumption of forgiving sins is uh, presuming the authority of Jesus. And, and I was like, okay, well, as a, as a Christian, as somebody who wants to devote their life to Christ, like I, I, if you're trying to make me aware of something that's super dangerous for my soul and being anti to Christ, as opposed to the whole thing of everything I'm trying to do, uh, I don't want to just say you're wrong. I want to hear what you have to say, getting him to explain it. And, uh, and then spoke to that. And uh, then he got up and left and, you know, he, he looks at me from across the campus every now and then, but uh, we've not continued our conversation. This is powerful. And BC nation, you can see why I brought father Justin onto the show today because Maybe you're like me and you wrestle with fear of rejection mm. when it comes to the calling God's put on our lives. And God asks us to walk out into the deep and to trust him. In spite of what we visibly see, the storm around us. And here we have a priest who courageously is living the gospel going out onto a college campus in the face of rejection. I mean, that's, that's definitely a place you could go if you want rejection, is go on a college campus and stand for something. You will face rejection, period, because there will definitely be people who disagree with your positioning. Father, how did you, what did you do with that that voice, that inner self-talk, that fear of rejection when you were sitting for a semester contemplating the perfect positioning of your sign and bench on the campus. And I don't know, maybe you were procrastinating like the rest of us. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But what did you do with that fear of rejection to get past it, to take the action and lean on God for any outcomes or results that came from it? I would say one of the biggest gifts I've ever been given in my life is uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola's Rules of Discernment. Uh, that I was uh, taught that in the seminary and uh, the Institute of Priestly Formation out in Omaha. I've done a couple things with them where they've taught them to me. Uh, and it's really just working on integrating that in how you discern the Holy Spirit. And uh, that is the, if there's any one thing I could say that was, uh, helps set you free from fear. It is St. Ignatius's rules of discernment. Uh, in that, it doesn't make fear go away, but you recognize it as the bully that it is and the tool of the evil one that it is. Uh, and so it doesn't it doesn't stop, but it gets put into the nope. I know whose voice that is, and I'm not listening to it. Uh, and then coming, bringing that to prayer of like, okay, well. Lord, is this, is this idea from you? You know, when I have this uh, kind 
kind of image in my head of like being out on the college campus and engaging with students. You know, it's like I sat a long time with that and looking for the Holy Spirit to say, yep, no, this is the, the direction I want you to go in. Um, and how was, did you know when to move on that? Uh, at a certain point, when just as to keep praying with it, uh, for myself, it's that moment of like, no, this is it. And I have to do it or I have to just like uh, say, no, God, I'm not doing that, you know. Uh, and when it gets to that point where I, I feel clear that it's from him, well, then it's a choice of like, well, are you going to not do what God asked you to do or you're going to do it? And it's just like, okay, I'm going to do it. Uh, and so that that point is when uh, I feel like I got to move, you know, and so it's just like, oh, you wanted me to do this? Well, where? Uh, and then I spent the time walking around campus praying with that question. It's like, okay, there. All right. Well, how? Okay. Well, here's here's your sign. And then, so all of that is kind of steps along the way of discerning. But it's still when I got there, and I shared this uh, at uh, your, your church was uh, when I got there, set up for the first time. Literally, my hands were shaking as I'm I'm trying to put it. And the whole way there, uh, I'm having the dialogue in my head of you don't actually have to do this. You know, nope, nobody knows. It's not like the bishop's going to call up and say, hey, I heard you chickened out uh, doing what nobody else is doing. Um, you know, it's like none of that would have been on the table. So, like, I could stay safe over here in my office and never have to face it. But the whole time I also recognize is like, that's not the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so uh, I'm not going to live my life in fear, uh, even though I'm feeling it. You know, It's like the... Uh, trying to go to bed that night, if I turned around and went back, it would have been worse than what uh, I felt when I was setting up. You know. Thank you for walking us through the thoughts that were going on in your mind, the the physical, uh, the how your physiology was responding to the power of fear, because fear does have power. The lies of the enemy do have power if we accept them versus reject them. Uh, so I'm going to ask father, well, before I go to my second question, the first question is what fruit have you seen or harvest? Have you seen God bring out of you taking that action, facing that fear, letting God, um, do his miracles through it? What have you seen on campus? So I would, I would say two, two things, the interior fruit and the exterior fruit. Uh, the interior is a lot easier to be certain of, you know, because it's, it's what I'm experiencing. Whereas external stuff is always like, it's nice, you look for it, but uh, the, it has to be a sign of the spiritual fruit inside the other person, which you never truly know, you know. And so it's always a little more of like, less certain. Um, but for myself, uh, uh, I knew that uh, it's like, okay, well, even if it's uh, completely unfruitful and it doesn't really uh, help students or, or further their, their mission over here, uh, I knew myself as like, I'm not, I'm, I'm here to do the will of the Father. And I'm not trying to uh, 
you know, allow that to be hijacked by anything else. And if all that he did through this was uh, help me grow and my ability to be his disciple, uh, in that when he asked me to go do something that uh, I'm gonna do my best to try and go do it and know, hey, I didn't die when I did it, you know, in uh, that, okay, well, maybe when he asked me something in the future, uh, the growth that I had from this will, is preparing me for whatever is going to be lying ahead. And so, on that sense is to know even that's enough. Like, if, if, it's only, if this is completely useless to the world and only uh, his concern for me, uh, that, that's enough for him. And I don't need to be successful or productive in the eyes of the world uh, to be... Uh, to be told what to do by my Lord. You know? um, and then on the exterior side, uh, I've seen one, the, the effect of like camp, the campus, like that young man that came and talked, and that's happened a couple times. Um, you know, it's just like how that has brought people out uh, and start moving them in a new direction. Uh, I've seen the... Uh, kind of the courage uh, that's helped bolster in our own community, like our own students of like, if I'm, if I'm pushing forward, uh, you know, they're trying to keep up, but they are following, you know, and if I didn't go in that way and I said, Hey, you guys go over there and do that, but I'm not willing to do it. It's like, they're, they wouldn't do it either. You know? Father, it's, I have a three word definition for leadership. You go first. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Jesus and, did it. Right. Uh, he took his cross first. Yeah. And, you know, it's like if, um, if I'm, if I'm going to ask something of them, how could I, I myself not do it? Uh, and what it's, it's going to look different for me, you know, it's like they can't hear confessions and, but they also don't have the, the baggage of looking like a priest on campus, you know, um, and so, you know, when I'm going out there and like, hey, I'm doing my part, you guys do your part, you know, and that, that's shifted the culture of our community over here. It's like, no, we, we are people on mission. Um, and so that fruit, uh, I've, this is also spread to other college campuses. Uh, and so there's not many other priests doing my job. Uh, and so I usually have to connect with uh, people I know outside the diocese and uh, somebody like here, here's about me doing it and say, like, Hey father, uh, this other priest is doing this on campus. Why don't you do it? And then they call me up and I was like, Hey, what are you doing over there? And it's like, Oh, this, I'm just doing this. And it's like, okay, well, thanks for complicating my life. Uh, and so, you know, it's like, uh, I've had the opportunity to kind of encourage my brother priests of doing stuff like that. And uh, let know, me ask you this, as far as the other denominations and uh, campus ministries for other Christian faiths on campus, mm -hmm. uh, is there any uh, communication that's opened up that wasn't there before you started doing this or even as an example to them and maybe they've picked it up? Yeah. That, uh, that I've kind of talked about it, that they know that I do it. Um, so we have an organization of 16 campus ministries. So I'm, I'm the current president of, uh, of that group. Uh, and so we get along uh, wonderfully well. 
but I would have to say that was something put in place before I got here. Um, and that, uh, that I feel like very well respected by my peers. Um, so was that like multi-denominational, cross-denominational? Yes. Yep. Wow. So 16 Christian denominations all playing nice together or? Uh, well, you're also going to have non-Christian, but yes. There you go. Yeah. That, that makes it even a little more yeah, haphazard. So yeah. So it's interreligious as well. So, Wow. What yeah. do you think is the unifying message that uh, keeps that cohesion amongst all the groups? And how do we duplicate that at scale? Uh, that everybody has the kind of same mission of the students. I think that that tremendously helps uh, us keep together that it's not about the division. It's just like, hey, how, how can we help the students in that we're all on the same page in that regard? And then the other thing that is tremendously helpful is uh, we're all facing the same struggles. So when we kind of share uh, our frustrations and stuff like that, that we're able to just like, hey, again, like a priest doing my job, I have to go to Pensacola, Tallahassee, or Orlando, whereas uh, other people doing the same ministry I'm doing, well, they're just across the street, and mm. that we can have those conversations, and then uh, I think we do a pretty good job of, like, say, a new person comes into, like, some ministry had a turnover of leadership, and you, you get that same deer-in-the-headlight look of a new minister, and they have no idea what they're doing on college campus, and it's just like, Oh yeah, I remember that feeling. And hey, you got to do this, this, this. You know, uh, this is the person you want to talk to for this, and you know how to how to get the lay of the land and remind them it's going to be okay. And you know, so that uh, that community has uh, had a good dialogue. I think there's still a lot of room for us to grow, and this is the area I've been challenging us. Um, it's just like, well, if we want our students to be able to share their faith and talk about their faith together. Uh, again, we need to do it first. You know, it's like we, we get along, we trust each other, you know, uh, but there is a, a certain reluctance of like, say, hosting. This was my proposal uh, was like, what if we had like an interreligious dialogue where uh, we kind of had some questions, we could do some sharing and, uh, and a panel, invite uh, the students of the university to, and, and that would connect uh, the university as a whole to the religious communities instead of specific, it would be in general. And it's just like, Oh, well, here's the Catholics. Here's the, uh, uh, Baptists, here's the, um, uh, non-denomination, you know, and they can connect, uh, in those ways. It's like, it'd be a benefit for all of us. Um, uh, but Has again, that been well received or blocked. So, uh, fear is definitely an issue. What, uh, what are they afraid of? that they're going to be put on the spot and like asked uh, like confrontational questions. More which, debate style. Right. And certainly mm. there's students out there that are willing to do it. Sure. And I'm, I'm also the person that's like, there's no topic out there that I'm not willing to talk about, you know, mm -hmm. uh, just like being able to preach at a community where like, the adults are professors and the students are grad students and like you don't have minors like coming to mass um, that's that's a unique group that you get to speak to as a priest mm. and uh, you know so 
you, know, you go to most parishes and they have like the kids homilies and you got to freeze things because you're going to have young ears there. And sure. uh, whereas like, hey, if we want to talk about life, well then let's talk about life and, and that we're able to do that. Father, I support you. <laughs> I support your initiative. Let it be known across the college campuses that Brokey Catholic supports the initiative of Christian unity. Amen. Period. Father, uh, for my listener right now, they, uh, they wrestle with fear of rejection like the rest of us. They, they share the common human struggles. Um, what three spiritual tips or insights or strategies do you have for them right now? And, and why don't you base it around what you hear most from your students that they're struggling with, that they get stuck in or lost in or turned around in? Uh, and what are those three steps for them to get realigned with God? And his yeah. plan for their life. Yeah, uh, this is I would say some advice that I, I give to our students. Uh, one is there are just some basic things that will get you through anything. Uh, I'm interested. As as in, uh, go to confession and go to mass. You know, it's like certainly for Catholics, but uh, I would say the equivalent of like, read your Bible and go to, go to service for, for Protestant brothers and sisters. Like the, if you, if, if you do nothing else, uh, but keep those things absolute, like immovable in your life, uh, it doesn't matter how messy it will get, uh, you're going to get through it. Uh, if you don't have that, it's perfectly easy to be lost and lose your orientation and the the get kind of skewed of what you think normal is uh, and be in a very dark, lost, painful place. Uh, but if if I'm if I'm going to mass, going to confession, well then it doesn't matter how bad life can get. Uh, the Lord's going to get me through it. Mm. I get that from a foundational. Uh, place right like keep those as your foundations and you can weather any storm right sometimes though it seems it's not enough uh, to get us through a storm or out the other side of a storm especially if we grew up in a dysfunctional uh, way of looking at uh, reading the Bible or Sunday service or confession or mass and not really understanding uh, God's uh, beauty behind that, God's intention behind that. But we have more of a dysfunctional uh, lens of that. Yep. Speak to that for a moment. So what do we do? St. Benedict, uh, when he was making his rules for his monks, had the, the one unbreakable rule is no matter what, do not leave your cell. Do not leave your self. Cell. Cell. C-E-L-L. So like your room. Your room. Okay. So in a sense, is it doesn't matter how messy whatever is going on in there in your spiritual life, how broken, how whatever's, whatever's happening in that room, uh, let it happen. And in that you're, you're in this space, but what, what we don't want to do is break the relationship mm. uh, because that's where uh, you start cutting off the possibility. Uh, so for instance, uh, take a dysfunctional family. 
if you break the relationship with this person, well, then how is reconciliation possible? How is restoration possible? Uh, if we take it to the spiritual level, if the person is dead, well, then where's the hope? So if you killed the relationship, if you, if you broke it off, separated, well, then how, how is going forward possible? Mm. Uh, and so, like, stay inside the house, and we're all going to get there together. And if it doesn't, if you don't finish by the time you finish this journey, well, that's what purgatory is for. So that... Uh, for all my Protestant brothers out there, that was a very inflammatory word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't get riled up by it. So let's follow <laughs> this path here. So foundationally, you're saying uh, step one, stay with uh, your Bible, stay with uh, church, right? Confession, mass, that Christian community, stay around it. Number yep. two, do not break relationship with Jesus, right? right? Because if you break relationship with Jesus, there's no restoring relationship with Jesus because you, you broke it, right? right? So don't get out of the boat, so to speak. Right. And unless he's out of the boat and told you to get out of the boat, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's different. <laughs> yeah. The, right. But exactly, that we want if as long as we're staying that connection with Jesus, well, then whatever is happening, we're going to get through it. And he loves us perfectly. Like all of us are dysfunctional in our relationship with Jesus. Agreed. Uh, original sin, like we're, we're broken people. Mm -hmm. uh, so, well, how do you uh, learn to love well? And that's by being loved well. And if we break that relationship with him, well, then is the world going to love you well? Like, it, it's only Not in my gonna, experience. It's only going to be from Jesus. So, uh, that's why, like, having those things, uh, like, say, say you, you treat uh, going to mass like superstition and, or some magic ritual that's going to be your magic talisman to protect you. Well, it doesn't. So, well, what happens when, uh, say, you made it into an idol and the idol's revealed to be nothing but uh, a statue that can't hear your prayers? well, you're going to have to start going through a conversion. Well, how do I go through a conversion if I break the relationship? Like it's going to bring those dysfunctions to the surface. And when it does, well, if I allow the dysfunction to separate me, well, then, then I'm not going to actually uh, make any progress. Mm. I think this is really powerful. Um, and simply put, stay connected with God and with others, right? Others right. in the Christian community. We yep. need each other. That's that's the big lesson here. All right, we're yep. speaking with Father Justin pa Paskert. You can find him at catholicusf.org, catholicusf.org. Uh, all right, Father Justin, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. I love doing this with a priest guest. It's, the, it's, it's so gratifying. No, I'm just messing. All right. So I'm going to ask you uh, 10 quick fire questions. Uh, you'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready? Ready. What's your favorite thing about God? Love. What's your least favorite thing about God? Uh, work. <laughs> like that. Well, what are you most afraid of? Um, uh, being alone. Hmm. I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our lives, either professionally or personally. What are you personally, uh, what are you struggling with right now in your life? If you're being just real and transparent, I would say, uh, 
to always say yes in the little things with the Lord. Uh, and then professionally, I would say uh, COVID, you know, that's, that's been the challenge there. That's a challenge. What did you spend way too much time doing in your twenties? Uh, video games. <laughs> Got it. What secret fear do you have about people? Um, being duplicitous, like inauthenticity. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? Uh, how much he loves. Mm. What's a new habit you want to create in your life? Uh, the greater, greater focus on prayer. Got it. Yeah. What's a bad habit you want to break? Uh, I could probably do with a little less coffee. <laughs> got it. How many cups do you have to per day? Uh, probably three. Yeah, wow. Answer. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, pick three words to describe who you are now. Um, hmm. I, I would say middle age is definitely a word coming to mind. <laughs> um, that was self-deprecating. <laughs> uh, no, but I always, always looking to know more and uh, always searching. Yeah, yeah got it. Uh, pick three words to describe who you are before you fully surrendered your life to God. Mm, Self-centered. Um, yeah, always seeking kind of the next, next new thing, the next pleasure. Mm. And last question, Father, if you could come back to life after you died, look your family and friends, your students in the eyes and give them only one piece of advice about everything, about anything, what would you say to them? Uh, it's only about Christ. He's the only thing that matters. Amen to that. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about having a relationship with Christ, staying in relationship with him versus not? Uh, fear is what separates you from the joy that he wants to give you. That is so true. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's how you conquer the enemy. Just smile and be joyful. And he runs, man. Amen. Father, what is the best way for BC Nation to get in touch with you if they so choose or learn more about what you're up to? Yeah, our website is uh, probably the best way. It's got my email and stuff on there. Also, following our ministry uh, through social media, uh, Catholic Student Center or Catholic Student Union at USF uh, or Catholic Bulls. Uh, you'll be able to find us under those things. I like Catholic bulls. We need some more bulls in the church, in the China shop. Yeah. Um, and again, the, the website is catholicusf.org. Father Justin, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, my friend. Thank you, Justin. BC Nation, you cannot show up authentically in your life without building faith in your business. If you want the business side of that conversation, I have another podcast called First 100K, where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000, because that's where I believe 90% of you are stuck and you can't break through. Go to first100k.com to find out how. I'm Joseph Warren. You were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll see you right back here next week.